We know the value of having a caddy on the golf course. Standing in the middle of the green, waving your hat in celebration for a little too long as your opponent has a putt to try to tie the match. Wait, wait, no, 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 no. Definitely not that. It's reading the greens, helping you find your yardage and always ensuring you're prepared for the shot ahead. But what about a caddy for your business? Belay has your back. Belay pairs busy leaders, business owners, and entrepreneurs with high-quality, US-based executive assistants to help you prioritize your time, delegate the details, and focus on what matters most. And right now, Belay is offering listeners 25% off the first month of their executive assistant subscription. Just text the word GOLF to 55123 to schedule a call. Or visit belaysolutions.com forward slash golf digest to get started today. Do more of what you love and less of what you don't with Belay Executive Assistant. Ladies and gentlemen of the golfing community, I would like to welcome you to Golf Court. My name is Bailiff Jeremiah Underwood, and today you're going to hear two important cases from the most sagacious, perspicacious, and judicious men in our sport. Our attorneys will do their damnedest to argue their side, but unlike out there in the real world, in this court there is nothing subjective. This is where opinion becomes fact, and where fact becomes law, and when the judge rules, that decision is legally binding in exactly zero states. So, everybody settle into your seats, and now get out of them! All rise! Presiding today, the Honorable Justice Shane P. Ryan. This is Golf Court. All right, everybody settle down. Everybody sit down. We got a very busy docket today, and I am going to keep things moving. I'm looking out at the courtroom now. I see a couple familiar faces. Joel Beale, attorney at law, barrister Luke Curdenine. Gentlemen, I've seen you in this courtroom before. I'm going to tell you up top, I will not have any malarkey, any shenanigans, any mischief-making, tomfoolery, no skylarking in my courtroom. There will be order in my court. Okay, before we get proceeding here, gentlemen, I'm going to give you a moment to introduce yourselves. Perhaps show a sign of respect to the court. Luke, please proceed. Judge Ryan, thank you for having me. Um, it's truly an honor to present before the court and to unpack and litigate some of these issues that are outstanding from the Ryder Cup. It's, it's an honor to be here, and um, I'm looking forward to convincing, convincing you of uh, the current state of affairs. Um, my name is Luke Kedanine. My day job is a game improvement editor here at Golf Digest, but classically trained barrister from Kensington in London, turned a brief stint in South Carolina, turned Connecticut resident. I'm here practicing law in the United States on this occasion. And the case I'll be bringing will be in defense of the idea that Luke Donald should return as captain of the European team. And I appreciate you wearing a powdered wig, Barrister Kurdine, today. Thank you. And then, Joel Beale, if you'd like to say a couple words, respect for the court, anything on your mind before we begin. Thank you, Your Honor. And may I say, may you, you look particularly handsome this morning, Your Honor. Uh, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I appreciate the chance to speak before you, uh, particularly to defend this American institution against the European aggression of my counterpart. Uh, me, I am just a humble servant of the court. Uh, I'm not a lawyer, but I did watch a few good men on YouTube last night. Uh, what I am here to argue is that the Europeans, specifically the DP World Tour, 
should no longer be in charge of picking the Ryder Cup host. It's an abomination. They have they have lost the honor. You may be wondering, this seems a ridiculous thing to argue, but I will show you why we are in the right. Your Honor, thank you. All right, very good, gentlemen. The first case we're going to bring, of course, is Luke Kurjanin. We are going to hear the argument about why Luke Donald should be a captain. We're going to have an opening argument. We're going to have a rebuttal from Mr. Beal. And then we're going to ask some questions and I'll, I'll render a verdict. Uh, even though Attorney Beal addressed the jury, I want to point out that they are just 12 people we brought off the street to sit here and watch. We're giving them a Jimmy John's coupon. They don't have power over the decision. That all comes to me at the end of this. So, Mr. Kurdanin, I'm going to give you roughly two minutes. I want to hear your argument. Again, we're litigating the idea that Luke Donald should take the unprecedented step of, of being invited back to captain on the road for the Ryder Cup next time. Yes, and... As you said, in this current era of Ryder Cups, it's unusual for a, for a captain to return for a second stint, especially a second consecutive stint. Um, it was more common back when the Ryder Cup was still rising in popularity and notoriety. But since that tipping point, for lack of a better word, the captaincy has been so in demand that it's just become a revolving door of captains and players and former players obviously um and it's become a it's become an honor in many ways but i'm saying for the next Ryder cup in two years it's time to halt that procession and to get down to business to enlist luke donald our current general to stay on for another two years and the reason i believe this is so important is because europe is about to embark on what is almost certainly going to be the most difficult Ryder Cup for an away team of all time. It's hard to overstate how intense this Ryder Cup is going to be at Bethpage Black in the in the heart of Long Island, just outside of New York City. The crowd is going to be just whipping, and now they're going to be seeking revenge for this embarrassment that they faced at Marco Simone. The only chance the Europeans have, if they come into this contest at a peak level of organization, right, that they hit the ground running, that they get their edge over the U.S. team by being able to start from day one ready and preparing for the upcoming two years. Because that level of organization is going to be the only chance that they have to defend their Ryder Cup title. You need a steady hand at the tiller. And I think Luke Donald checked all of those boxes in Rome. He took the steam and the sting out of every potential controversy in front of the press. The players loved him. He got players to buy in into certain ideas. Rose, notably, incredible foursomes player being benched for two of the sessions, benching John Rahm in order to keep him fresh for his son and then sending him out first in Sunday singles match. It was move after move. He solved problem after problem in a low-key, in-the-background, organizational first way. It's the it's it's the kind of attitude that we need to bring heading into Bethpage from day one. And even though you could say that a guy like Westwood or Poulter and, and and all of those players are indeed like in the same generation. They've also been relatively removed from the day-to-day -day action of the players they will captain. Um, whereas Donald has been obviously a PGA Tour player. He's been close to them. He's been talking to them on a daily basis. There's no sense of ill will there. So Judge, apologies for being a little long-winded, but that is my... This is my point of view. This is why I believe that the right move for Europe is to enlist 
General Donald again for a second, for a second, um, for a second time. I just wanted to use the gavel. Very good, Mr. Crudenine. Uh Joel Beale, uh, it is now your chance for a rebuttal here. Tell us why Mr. Crudenine and what it seemed like a very sensible argument to me is wrong. Well, Your Honor, it comes down to this. Any captain can look good at home. As we've established in this space before, Your Honor, the Ryder Cup has become the most predictable event in golf, the home team winning eight of the past nine events. I believe there were also mitigating factors in Mr. Donald's performance. Any of us could have looked as good as European captains against an American squad that was clearly under the weather. And though I have been in the camp to argue the American South was nothing more than an excuse in the latest chapter of a 30-year failure to win on the road, Your Honor, I personally came out on the business end of the likely same illness that was plaguing the U.S. team that week. And Your Honor, you do not know the meaning of hell until being confined to a hotel room with a significant other who blames your illness on the work for ruining a vacation. It also needs to be said, Your Honor, that this extended captaincy argument has been made before. If you go back, the same things were said of Thomas Bjorn after the 2018 Ryder Cup, after the Europeans dispatched of a heavily favored American team. And again in 2014, when Paul McGinley's crew riped the floor of the Yankees. You really have to mess up to not look good at home. If you want a second captaincy, went on the road first, and then we'll talk. I would also add, Your Honor, this speaks to a bigger problem in our society. We can never let anything good just be what it is. We have to continue to keep extending the shelf life until it's watered down to a point we barely recognize what made it good and special in the first place. Your Honor, I ask how many more Fast and Furious movies do we need? How many real Half-Life spinoffs must we endure? Are we really that creatively barren that we can not see what else is out there? I am also of the belief, Your Honor, that the Ryder Cup captaincy has become massively over-exaggerated. It is a three-day event. And we've gotten so in the weeds with the minutia and strategy that we have overcomplicated the plot because ultimately it does come down to golfers golfing their ball. A captain can do things that both get in the way and simplify this truth. And there are merit to both, but let's not exact act like this is some sort of tactical brilliance involved. Your honor, Luke Donald is a good man. He is a great Ryder cup winner, but do not do him the disservice of running him back out. Thank you, your honor. Well spoken, Mr. Beal. As usual, I appreciate the decorum so far here. We're now going to move to the section of the trial. One hard question from the judge. Okay, we're going to start with Mr. Kurdanine. Mr. Kurdanine, I want you to imagine a hypothetical. Lee Westwood stands before you, falls down to his knees, tears streaming down his face, and says, if Luke Donald gets a second captaincy, good men like myself, Ian Poulter, Sergio Garcia, Richard Bland are never going to get the Ryder Cup captaincy. If we start going down this road, what if Luke Donald wins again at Bethpage? Could it upset fundamentally what is an integral part of the Ryder Cup system and deny people who are meritorious a chance to, you know, get their life's due and, and become a Ryder Cup captain? I am sympathetic to the point of view in part because i understand where it's coming from right lee westwood in this in this case but any rider cut hero who is now who whose best playing days are behind them and is looking forward to a captaincy that is the primary goal in the latter half of their career but i'm here to say that we should instill a system, especially in Team Europe, a meritocratic system where good captains have an avenue to staying on. That 
we're not in a one and done system, regardless of whether a captain succeeds or uh, whether a captain fails. Lee Westwood and Ian Poulter and Sergio Garcia, I sincerely hope, will get their time as Ryder Cup captains. There's no shortage of of people lining up for that honour. But I think that what the circumstances being what they are, Luke Donald performing so well in Rome when the US team was widely expected to uh, capture this away win and with the context of Beth Page Black looming and the fact that the only real survival raft the European team has is to edge the US team, who is still considering who its captain is going to be, uh, is a peak level of organization. Um, I would tell Lee that your, your time will come, but what's best for the team isn't... Uh, your time coming when you want it to come. It's when it's best for the team. All right. This hypothetical Lee Westwood nods. He says, I respect you, but he's still crying and he walks out. So you're going to have to deal with that. Uh, Mr. (laughs) Beal, Mr. Beal, one hard question from the judge. Uh, You, in your argument, you said that we have all these captains who we said they should repeat and they didn't repeat Thomas Bjorn, Paul McGinley, uh, Davis love. Every time they didn't repeat it, their team went on and lost. Are you not arguing against yourself there? Isn't there something that has to change? I find myself convinced by Mr. Crudenine's argument that that if you don't have some continuity, you're never going to win on the road. Explain yourself, please, sir. Well, Your Honor, simple fact is it's they've all looked good because they've won at home. And who was the last really winner on on the road for the Europeans? It was Jose Marie Alifabal. The same guy who was panned the first two days of the event, a miraculous push happens, and all of a sudden, Jose Maria, his legend, is secured. They did not bring back Jose Maria the next year. They brought back, or they brought in Paul McGinley, and McGinley was arguably one of the best captains we've ever seen. I do think part of the problem, Your Honor, is two of the last European Ryder Cup captains on the road have been arguably the poorest captains in both Padraig Harrington and Darren Clark, both men who maybe did not do the preparation as they should have, at least compared to their uh, predecessors. That should also, though, not be indicative of what we can expect of the next European captain, uh, a man that whose name we've heard over and over as being imperative to the European process is Dodo Molinari. This is a man who, if you're looking at profile, yes, does not have the same accolades, as Mr. Donald. He does not have the same accolades as Padre Carrington. He does, however, have the same profile as someone like Paul McGinley. And again, McGinley is sort of used as the epitome of what a European captain can be. So while I am not arguing that we should just hand out profiles on someone's playing record, if we are to believe that Molinari is as integral to the process as he's been made to be, he's the guy that deserves a shot. And more importantly, it's... Your Honor, I hate to, I hate to bring up this thing, but anyone could have looked good against Zach Johnson. Zach Johnson was probably one of the worst captains we've had in some time. Or we should sure Luke Donald was really that good to the process. Tread carefully, Mister Beal. Tread carefully here. Your Honor, I end our argument. Thank you for giving me the chance. Okay, now we're going to move to the section that we call one hard question from each other. This is you're going to have a thirty seconds to respond to a question. We're going to start with Mister Beal. You're uh, you have the right to question Mr. Uh, Curdenine with one question. Mr. Curdenine, Luke Donald is a man of great respect, great honor. And yet looking at his playing record, 
He was a guy who never really came through in the clutch. In fact, never really lived up to his potential, particularly at big events. How do you expect Mr. Donald to compete at an environment where the pressure has never been higher in a very unfriendly environment, understanding that his current players have currently have his back? What about Luke Donald says this is the guy that can achieve the the impossible? Well, to that, Mr. Beale, I would say that that to me suggests a suggestive reading of world number one Luke Donald's resume. Perhaps he never won his major, but as you know, the Ryder Cup is a team sport and Luke Donald has a blemish-free team record. He has played and won at the 2004, 2006, 2010, 2012 Ryder Cup teams, and he captained, of course, the 2023 World uh, Ryder Cup team. He is also unbeaten in his two Walker Cup appearances. This man is made for team play. He thrives in the environment. Perhaps he didn't get his individual honors in the form of a major championship, but he's got his trophies with the team to prove otherwise in terms of their clutch question. As an unbiased judge, I never tip my hand, but you were just owned, Mr. Beale. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Curtinine, Barrister Curtinine, you now have a chance to ask Mr. Beale one question. <laughs> um, Mr. Beale, my question is if we were to go down, and we as being Team uh, go go down the uh, Dodo Molinari route, incredibly smart man uh integral to this last process how would that serve to ease tensions in this live play cap future captains playing on live question how would um how would putting them on the back burner in exchange for a man who whose playing record doesn't match any of those options how does that serve to move Team Europe forward more broadly. Well, Mr. Kearney, I just heard from your lips just moments ago that we are not discussing someone's individual accolades. We are looking what they've done in the team route. And if you look at what Molinari has done in, in the team sector, his record is also unblemished. Uh, as for what I would say to those who have gone to live, they made a choice. It's a choice that while controversial, it ultimately is their choice, but it was also a choice. They were told, if you go this route, you will lose the Ryder Cup avenue that you currently have. If anything, why would you want these people who clearly have been told, if this event means so much to you guys, that you would then choose a, a sum of money instead? What, what makes you think they would be a good leader, that they have made a very selfish choice in a very collective environment? So... To those folks, I would say, well, 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 the consequences of my actions. And in fact, I would, as a American, and though I'm an unbiased American, Your Honor, if I was an American backer, I would love nothing more than the Europeans to go down this live route because I can't think of a more worse idea in these divisive times to bring in somebody that, or somebody's, I should say who have made a very selfish choice that have separated our sport and caused a schism, a potentially hurtful schism that we still have not extrapolated, Your Honor, and ruined the very thing that apparently makes the European team what it is in chemistry. So as an American backer, I would welcome a live presence uh, in the leadership role. Tread Thank carefully, you. Mr. Beal. 
I just wanted to say that one more time. Great points, Mr. Beal. Uh, I'm going to give you both an honest 20 seconds for closing arguments. Mr. Beal, I'm actually going to have you start. It's Luke's case. I believe he deserves the last word. I'm going to bang my gavel like a madman at 20 seconds, just, just to warn you. So please proceed, sir. Connor, it's simple. Luke Donald is a very, very, very good captain. Or is he? Again, <laughs> the American team was sick. They were under the weather. They won at home. Anybody can win at home. Are we really sure he is a good captain? In fact, I would actually welcome Donald to come back and ruin the very aura he has built. And what happens then? The hero gets cut down. Europeans are back to square run. I would actually welcome Donald because the, well, the accolades he has earned are a little exaggerated. Thank you. And Mr. Crudenine, your final argument, sir. I'm excited and honored that Mr. Beale said he would welcome Luke Donald back into the captaincy as I too would welcome Luke Donald back into the captaincy. I think he's the man for the job. I think he's the general. He, he's the, he's the general team Europe needs. He is, uh, he, he's elitely skilled at being able to handle the two tasks that a Ryder Cup captain is most uh, relied upon to answer, which is handling the media, and it's to organize his team in a fashion that puts them out and in the best chance to win. I think the only evidence we have of this as his as a captain is Donald's performance in Rome, which was near flawless, and I think that he's won his. He, he's won his tr he's won his trophy, and I think that now it's time for him to serve and once again put those skills to work in what will be a brutal uh, conditions in Bethpage Black. Gentlemen, thank you for your arguments. Uh, you present me now uh, with a very difficult verdict to render. Uh, on one hand, Mr. Beale has made some terrific points. Um, I can't remember any of them right at this exact moment. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Of course. No, he makes the good point that, uh, that the role of the captaincy might be exaggerated. Certainly the home wins over the last 10 years have shown that perhaps really this is a sort of fatalistic outcome and that there may be no benefit. And yet when we give up to fatalism, we give up our very souls, Mr. Beale. And I would have you remember that as you proceed in life, because Mr. Kurdanin raises what I think is the excellent point that why not? We haven't tried anything. Uh, Luke Donald was great in Marco Simone. The last few road captains have been poor. Throwing him into the fire doesn't work. At least if you get Luke Donald out there, you've got somebody who's tried and tested and going into this cauldron that Mr. Kurdanin describes in Bethpage Black. I think a little experience couldn't hurt. I don't see the downside here, especially with the rash of live golfers who are either not in the line of succession anymore or have certainly put themselves back a few pegs in that line. So I am going to render my verdict. I rule in favor of the prosecution, Mr. Kurdanin. Luke Donald will get to be captain next year. That is the final verdict, Mr. Beal. I'm somewhat surprised you voluntarily chose to take the other side of that discussion, uh, and I sentence you to seven years in prison. Gentlemen, thank you. Uh, we are adjourned. Okay, court is back in session. Gentlemen, we are back. I see Mr. Beal and Barrister Kurdanin are here again. I am reading from the docket. The issue in this new trial is that the DP World Tour should no longer be in charge of choosing Ryder Cup host venues in Europe. I am very interested to hear what we have here. Uh, Mr. Beal, you are the prosecuting attorney. Uh, I will turn the floor to you. Uh, it is time for your opening argument, sir. 
Your Honor, the argument is simple. The DP World Tour has lost the right to pick a host venue for the Ryder Cup. For decades, we, the sport, have been forced to watch European Ryder Cup after European Ryder Cup after European Ryder Cup be brought to some of the most asinine, uninspired, and frankly, Your Honor, just bad venues in Ryder Cup history, all because said venues are willing to pledge allegiance or pledge their wallets to the old world circuit. Marco Simone was a nice olive vineyard, but it was a poor excuse for a golf course. <laughs> Despite being in golf-rich countries, Glen Eagles and Celtic manners, your honor, it was like visiting France and going to McDonald's to taste French cuisine. Speaking of France, Le Golf National it would be an okay backdrop for a scramble, but for a preeminent event of this stature, it failed the test. Your honor, these are also not aberrations. The K Club, the Belfry, the, the Belfry, your honor, just an abomination to all that is good and sacred in the sport. Now, your honor, I know what opposing counsel will say. Yes, the PG of America is not blameless in this manner. Look no further than Valhalla or Hazel team. But I would add the PJ of America's track record is vastly superior to those of their European counterparts. In the past 30 years, we have visited Whistling Streets, the Country Club and Brookline, Oak Hills, and Oak Hills. Our next Ryder Cup is at Beth Pages, by no means a go track. At least the PJ of America attempts to give a damn about the integrity of the event rather than selling its soul to the highest bidder. What makes this especially unforgivable, Your Honor, is the wealth of brilliant courses in Europe which is why I'm proposing the DP World Tour's privilege of picking venues instead transfers to the RNA, an organization that actually seems to care about the good of the game. If this is supposed to be a proper event, it warns a proper venue, and as long as the DP World Tour is at the wheel, the host will not, up, will not live up to the responsibility. Thank you, Your Honor. Mr. Beal, thank you very much. Uh, some incendiary language there, uh, but I think you know you come from a righteous angle, and, and we appreciate that here in this court. Mr. Kurdanin, I think you have your work set out for you, but, sir, it is time for your opening argument. Oh, thank you, Mr. Beal. Mr. Ryan, I would just judge Ryan. <laughs> How <me>. dare you? <laughs> How dare <laughs> I'm watching you very closely, Mr. Kurdanin. Judge Ryan, <laughs> my thousand apologies. I implore you to recognize that this is the product of an detached, elite, American-centric worldview. Nobody outside of America is complaining about the 2023 Ryder Cup performance. The ratings, the television ratings in Europe for the 2023 Ryder Cup were up 25% from its from 2018 Le Golf National and up more than 40% from the two years prior. I objection, Your Honor. Numbers, really? Are we a bunch of nerds, Your Honor? <laughs> I'm gonna overrule it for now, but I am watching you carefully, Mr. Crudini, and there's some nerd territory being embarked upon here. <laughs> Fair enough. <clears throat> the uh I think the overriding point I would like to make here, Judge, is that good golf courses, however we may define that, I know there is a raft of bougie uh, articles and opinions and pundits who are more than willing to tell you all about the merits 
of intricate green complexes and golf course architecture. But I would say for the everyman golf fan who were trying to engage and reach more of classically good golf courses, however you want to, however subjectively you want to define that, do not always lead to good majors what we see with these dp world tour hosted european rider cups is unique specific golf courses tailored to the competition which it's trying to host the marco simone uh, set the platform for an entertaining rider cup because it had spent the years prior tailoring its golf course for this one week of competition it exists in many ways to host the Ryder cup this was its central crown jewel in its future legacy and it knew that and it did everything it could to tailor itself to this competition the Ryder cup was not an afterthought it was the primary primary thought in its mind so i think it's, I think this is something that these may not be historic named golf courses um, like some of the others, but I think this represents a new way of doing things in the Ryder Cup. And I think that to these golf courses, you can adapt them. They're more organic and it leads to great competition. Thank you, Mr. Kurdanin. Uh Very interesting to hear the man in the powdered wig making the populist argument. Brazen? Yeah but admirable. Uh, Mr. Beal, we've come to the section of the trial known as one hard question from the judge. What I have to say to you, a point that was brought up by nobody that I heard, the European tour, the DP World Tour, depends on these Ryder Cup venues uh, to provide them, you know, I think a decade of tournaments. They get a lot of money from it. Uh, it's a you're, What you're proposing by taking away the Ryder Cup from the DP World Tour and handing it to the RNA is the equivalent of, uh, you know, putting them on the financial chopping block and sending the guillotine down. Uh, are you willing to commit to the death of the DP World Tour with such a drastic action? Your Honor, if a circuit that hosts 40 events a year is dependent on a three-day event that is mainly fueled by their American counterparts. And I say that as most of the European team plays in the U.S. Should this be an entity allowed to continue? I also would add, Your Honor, the root of so many of the problems of the past two years have come down to money. I have personally always been sold. The Ryder Cup is supposed to speak to a certain spirit of the game. The fact that we're putting dollars into this, I think, is just... Your Honor, I struggle to find words uh, just because it hurts me so deeply. So, yes, I am more than okay with the financial ramifications because this event should not be about finances. It should be about gamemanship. It should be about sportsmanship. It should not be about dollars. Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, Mr. Beal becoming very emotional there, and these three members of the jury who haven't gone to collect their Jimmy Johns are in tears right now. So, well spoken, <laughs> Mr. Beal. Mr. Crudenine, my question to you uh, is I think Mr. Beal makes an excellent point that the sort of hyper-capitalistic nature of the Ryder Cup has fundamentally changed the nature of it, has maybe ruined the competition of it. Everything with the, the fans, the money, everything, it's become a spectacle. Couldn't you return it to its roots if you had it at a Lynx course and took the money element out of the game to some degree? The Ryder Cup's roots are not as strong as the Ryder Cup what the roots have born for the Ryder Cup. The Ryder Cup's roots are Great Britain and Ireland are playing a true 
exhibition style match, which half the American players didn't want to show up to because it was so lopsided on golf courses that would host them simply out of the goodness of their heart in many ways. It's in maturing into this global business initiative that has brought the Ryder Cup to the level, uh, the sought-after level that we see it today. This is the uh, this is money is the engine of every economic initiative, every golf tournament, every tour, and it is the engine of the Ryder Cup. So we may lament the idea that that the Ryder Cup being such a cash cow for both the PGA of America, I'd add, but also the DP World Tour has brought it away from what bougie beal has determined <laughs> as classically uh, as, as classically refined golf courses but i think we've opened up a new era that has broadened the Ryder cup's reach unlike ever before pragmatic a little soulless but we can we can understand the point you're making mr beal or mr curdenine i apologize <laughs> i apologize now <laughs> we both gravely insulted each other now the scales are even um <laughs> And now we turn to the scales of justice. Mr. Beal, I'm going to give you a chance to ask Mr. Kurdanin one hard question. Mr. Kurdanin, it appears that you've brought money here and there. And certainly we are not blind to the financial ramifications and the engine that goes for the this event. However, are you basically proposing that going forward, the event should just go to the highest bidder? I'm not proposing that it should go for a highest bidder because money is a primary factor, of course, just like in any business, but it's not the only factor that I would consider. I think the ability to host uh, fans, the infrastructure, is a hugely important factor that shouldn't be overlooked just because one course has more money than another. I think the fact that the golf course itself can stand up to the growing distances of PG tour players is a factor that needs to be considered that more historic older golf courses may not be able to. So listen, money is a factor in everything in this economy, but it's not the only factor. And I don't think that the DP world tour would say it is either. I think it's part of a more holistic view of how they decide to bring golf courses. And Mr. Kurdanin, if you'd like to ask Mr. Beal, Mr. Beal, my question is, why does it seem that every time uh, an an Amer uh, every time a U.S. team isn't dominating a national competition, that their first port of call is to insist on changing the rules of that competition? Tread carefully, Mister Kurdanine. <laughs> I would say this is a tangential argument compared to anything where I come from has nothing to do with the competitive nature of the sport. It comes more to the marketability. This is supposed to be an event that has a uh, chance to transcend the sport. This is one of the few events, probably this in the masters where non-golf fans will tune in. Objection, your honor objection. What evidence does Beal have that this tournament, the Ryder Cup as it's currently constructed, is not transcending the sport of golf as, as it currently is and is not reaching golf fans uh, of various interest levels. Sustained. Mr. Beal, please answer the question. 
Yes, I'm saying it is. Between this and the Masters, they are the two events that non-sports fans tune in. And if that's the case, as you mentioned with your own numbers, you nerd that you cited earlier. If people, <laughs> if Sustained. People I know there was no in, objection, but I'm sustaining that. <laughs> don't we want to show the best the sport can be? And this idea that this is a, a preeminent golf venue is just strictly not the case. Look, this has nothing to do with trying to move to a more American-friendly confines. This is more of, my goodness, there are so many good courses in Europe and so many good courses that can't actually host certain big events just because they can't facilitate crowds on every hole. The great thing about the Ryder Cup is you really only need crowds on four or five holes at a time aside from Sunday. Do not we want to show the, the best the sport has to offer? Why would we not go to some of these links course? Why do we not go to some of these just better, more historic venues rather than resort courses that are willing to just throw out a, a blank pay, paycheck. Or I think almost just as egregious is pledging allegiance to the DP World Tour. As we kind of noted in the past, it wasn't just that Marco Simone was willing to hand out big dollars. It was that they were willing to host a event that was also kind of money strapped for years. And this idea that we're doing, uh, that the Ryder Cup is being handed out for money and favors it just doesn't sit well with me, Your Honor. Um, call me old-fashioned, but I, I come from an area where you you are given what you earn on your merit, not because uh, of who you can buy. And I know that sounds like I'm uh, scattering, because I also just spilled coffee on the floor. I'm watching it seep into my <laughs> construction. <laughs> so, Your Honor, I apologize for any examples. <laughs> No, you know what? In this court, we we applaud truth. We applaud people telling us about their foibles and flaws. Nobody's perfect, Mr. Beal. The spilled coffee can only work in your favor. So the time has come for me to render a verdict here. And gentlemen, what you're asking to me is not really about the Ryder Cup. It's about a philosophical difference between pragmatism and idealism. On the one hand, I can appreciate the real politic of Mr. Kurdinin, the sort of corporate suit saying money is the only thing that matters. There's no such thing as love. Uh, there's no, we just uh, exist on this earth like, like pigs trying to accumulate dollars until we die. I understand that. And I understand that argument. And I appreciate it, Mr. Kurdinin. But on the other hand, we have the beauty and love and idealism of Mr. Beale saying, why can't we have nice things in the limited time given to us on this earth before we all meet our fatal end? Why can't we reach for the stars, live among the rainbows and sing with the cherubs in the sky? And as a man of the law, as a strict legal interpretationist, I should be leaning toward Mr. Kurdinin. And yet I can't help but be moved by what I consider the poetry of Mr. Beale's argument that, yes, the Ryder Cup should be at St. Andrews. It should be at Royal Birkdale, at Royal Lytham and St. Anne's, all the royal populist courses that the populist king has given his <laughs> approval to. I, I cannot resist this argument, and therefore, I once again rule on behalf of the prosecution, Mr. Beale, uh, I award you the victory here, and Luke Curtinine, unfortunately, I must sentence you to seven years in prison. This case is adjourned. Gentlemen, well argued in both cases. You, Your time here at the courtroom today is almost done. But before we proceed with the docket, I can't help but notice that there is currently a one-to-one tie. And in my American heart, I cannot cotton to a tie. Okay, we must have a tiebreaker of some sort. So I'm going to take the unprecedented move of introducing a third case. We're not going to have it long. You're each going to have a minute and a half to argue your points. I'm going to assign you to a specific side. And then the the winner is going to be who I choose, who I choose as the winner. So then we won't have to leave here one-to-one. 
The topic today, should golf courses provide bathroom facilities recreationally to their players? Mr. Kurdanin, I'm going to start with you. You will be arguing the pro side that, yes, there should be bathroom facilities for, for recreational golfers at golf courses. Please proceed. You have a minute. <laughs> Your Honor, golf has a has an accessibility problem <laughs> we're constantly going on about how we can make golf a more welcoming place for people of all stripes and bathrooms or lack thereof shouldn't be an obstacle to that problem so golf courses just as they cut holes into greens should erect porta potties tea fairway and green any man who wants a bathroom should be able to find one on a golf course it's it's a one come one come all situation no matter your your no matter your personality your background your socioeconomic background golf courses should be welcoming to all who need to dispose of their of their burdens. <laughs> very, very sensibly argued, Mr. Kurdanin, although <laughs> I am interested in your proposal that every tea fairway in Green should have a porta potty. That's a lot of porta potties. That's 54 <laughs> porta potties, Sonny Shaw. Now, Mr. Beal, I I'm very curious to see what you're gonna have to say here, arguing against this point that I think Mr. Kurdanin is pretty pretty slam dunk argument. Sir, you have the floor. Your Honor, this nation was built by men. Great men who, when they needed to relieve themselves, did not have the affordability of a porta potty or a bathroom or indoor plumbing. No, they were real men. They relieved themselves by standing up and by turning their backs to their other men and just kind of going in the woods. <laughs> and look what we've become now a place, a country that needs bathrooms, not only bathrooms, but bathrooms that need codes on them because we do not trust our own fellow man. Why the codes, Your Honor? Why have them and then at the same time restrict the very access you say you are giving? Now, look, I am very, as a man with a small bladder, I am very attuned to those needing to relieve themselves. However, Your Honor, I would also add this year, John Rahm, as he won the Masters, did mention his struggle with finding bathrooms. I would say it speaks to the nature of entitlement this generation has that, you know what Jack Nicholas won those six green jackets by having to hold it in at times. He didn't have to, he didn't have the, Oh my goodness, your honor. It's I, I look out into my yard right now just because I see a dog peeing and I think, you know what, do we have porter potties for him? No, they have to go where nature calls and your honor. That's why I say no more bathrooms. If anything, determine the weak from the chaff or the strong from the weak. <laughs> No bathrooms at all. Not even in the clubhouse. Be a real man and hold it till you get home. Thank you, Your Honor. <laughs> wow, Mr. Beal. You know, on one hand, uh, I'm appalled by this argument that needless, <laughs> almost needlessly taking bathrooms away from golf courses. It's not really an issue anyone brought up, and here you are arguing against it. <laughs> on one hand, I find it depraved and, and almost demoralizing and disgusting, and I am sympathetic to Mr. Curdenine's argument that it's not, you know, we should have bathrooms for people. It's a pretty basic human rights decency thing. You know, let, let people have bathrooms. I mean, come on. And yet your argument about the weakness of the modern man, the sort of <laughs> the sort of diminishment of masculinity, uh, the low T epidemics that we see all around us. All of us have low T. We've talked about it. We're classic low T boy. Everybody's a low T boy in this world. 
what if we what if we said back to nature and what if part of that was getting rid of bathrooms i think you make a compelling argument mr beal and mr kurdanin for you to advocate for the uh continued enervation and weakness of, of modern society i think is uh, really something that's, uh, you know, should be admonished and kind of abominable. So I award the case to Mr. Beal. I think you've both done well, but Mr. Beal, the victory is yours. And with that, golf court is now officially adjourned. Boy, howdy, what a day in golf court. First off, Luke Donald's going to keep on being European Ryder Cup captain. That's thanks to the argumentating abilities of Luke Curtinine. Classic case of two Lukes sticking together. Those boys are thick as thieves. As for the DP World Tour, well, I got bad news for y'all. You're not going to be able to choose the Ryder Cup host venue no more. Joel Beale, Blue Ribbon Prize lawyer, put an end to that notion. But it wasn't all good news for our lawyers. They both got seven years in prison. Tough stuff from the judge, and that's before you get to the fact that from now on, there's no more bathrooms on golf courses. Just goes to show that inside that courtroom, just about anything can happen. I'm Jeremiah Underwood, and I'll see you next time on Golf Court.